0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Dot com slash forever thirty five to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns. Quince.com slash forever thirty five. Hello and welcome to Forever Thirty Five, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer.
2: And I am Dory Shafriar. Dory, we like to say that we are not experts. It's true, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Welcome to the show. Please feel free to visit
1: our website, Forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we talk about here. You can follow us on Twitter at Forever 35 Pod and Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast. And uh, you can check out the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums.
2: Indeed, you can sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And if you want to reach us, you can call or text us at 7815910390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com.
1: Well, let's jump into things. Let's do it. How's it going? Okay, Dory, this is like not, you know, like uh, breaking news, but I tried something called a lip tone that Pixie sent us. They sent us some lovely products that they're like doing in a collab with Hello Kitty. And I was like, okay, fun. And I just randomly was like, I'm going to grab this and bring it with me. I think I was going like to meet a friend for like an outside thing. So I was like, "My, my lips will maybe be seen. You know how like I've kind of, I know that many people are existing in an unmasked life right now, but I am still getting used to the fact that like my lips might be seen.
2: Yeah. And I'm still
1: masked a lot just based on like where I am and stuff. So I kind of forgot what it's like to like always have my lip prods. With me mm. You know mm-hmm. It's so weird and in another episode we're going to Talk about how like Generation Z Thinks they've discovered Clinique's black honey And I'm annoyed I, everything Generation Z Does I have to say annoys me I've become like A real get off my lawn old lady <laughs> like, Fucking get a Get oh a grip gosh. we were hip to Black honey in the late 80s oh and early 90s like get gosh. over yourselves Just because something's well, viral also- on TikTok doesn't Make it like new
2: Black, <laughs> black honey is like 50 years old. Like, yeah. we didn't even, we didn't even discover no. black honey. Okay, no, like, the was gal's 10 already. years older than us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know.
1: I just, I have this like really grumpy vibe right now where I'm like, oh, you, you didn't discover this. But this is truly like me transitioning into becoming a curmudgeon. Anyway, that's a topic for another time.
2: I have to give only- a shout out. Oh, uh, yep. Can I just say one thing about oh, this? Oh, she's like, circling back. I'm circling back. Um, I actually like. I think it's kind of fun when Gen Z like discovers some old prod that's like been. I mean, Black Honey was never forgotten, but like, I feel like that. Like, they're gonna get into like Ponds Cold Cream or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're yeah. gonna like oh, yeah. rediscover something. And I, I do think it's like kind of cool when they do that. However, it is not cool when the people who have been faithfully using these products all along yeah. suddenly can't get them. No, it's so <laughs> fucking annoying. Like, I think this happened also with CeraVe. Yes! When, like, TikTok discovered CeraVe. Like, yes. suddenly, like, couldn't get CeraVe anywhere, which, like, <sighs> was very annoying for all the people who had just been plodding along using their CeraVe.
1: Now, like, on the flip side, do I want my book to go viral on TikTok and have everybody buy it so that nobody can get it? Yes, please. Right? Like I want to benefit yeah. off of TikTok, but I also right. want to reserve the right to be a grumpy 42-year-old who who feels like you know, I'm like, come on, we did this already. Although then like I remember all the things that I thought I was discovering that older people when I was a teen were probably like, get over yourself. So perspective. <laughs> Okay, quickly back to this product, though. It's called yes, yes, yes. Pixie Plus Hello Kitty Lip Tone. Here's what they say on their website. A pH reactive lip gloss enriched with rose hip seed oil and mango butter to help hydrate and soften while leaving a sheer touch of color that is unique to you. Okay, so I was like, sure, whatever. Like this product's going to give me some magical color. It's a clearish, like light, creamy white color color. Okay. But my lips did change color.
2: It was oh, wild. Wow.
1: Yeah, they turned into this like, all, dare I say, almost a black honey, deeper kind of pinkish. It looked like I had put on a lip color. And I and one thing that I was genuinely impressed by this lip gloss is I find most lip products really dehydrating. Like mm. I, I basically only want to put Vaseline on my lips. But this mm-hmm. really stayed on for a while and it didn't dehydrate my lips. So I was, I was very intrigued. Now I only used it this one time, but it made a lasting impression. And uh, tonight Anthony and I are doing an outdoor activity and I'm going to bring this. It's in my bag. Oh, so product well, plug. Fun. Yeah, I was really impressed by this. This little workhorse. What I can't determine from their website is if they make it when it's not part of a Hello Kitty collab. Um, mm. So I need some clarity. I'll, I'll maybe reach out to the, our friends at Pixie and in, Inquire because they've been very generous with sending us prods. Um, so I will, uh, I will ask. But I really like this stuff. It's $8 on their website. And it's really cool. Like if you want a little magic trick to go along with your makeup application... Plus, it lasts and feels good. Endorsed. Consider it endorsed.
2: Wow, Kate. Okay. Yeah, that was a that was a really enthusiastic endorsement. Well, it's always like exciting when a product surprises you.
0: Mm, you know, not just yes, like I when guess.
2: it like does what you think it's going to do,
1: but when mm-hmm. it like shows you another side of itself that you didn't expect. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, I'm really excited for you because you are doing something that you haven't done in a while. And just knowing that you're doing this makes me filled with joy.
2: So we're recording this on the day of the first night of Passover. And we were just going to do like a Seder with... A, a very short, you know, Henry's so little. It's like I'm not going to make him sit through like an hour long seder. So we're just going to do a very like abbreviated seder. Um, but I had ordered some food because my new thing about holidays is like I don't want to cook. Um, oh my god! And- yes,
1: snaps to that, Dory. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Um, and but then a friend and her family are in town, and they are not Jewish. But we were kind of talking about when we were going to see them, and I was like, well, "Why don't you guys just come over for, for Passover?" So oh, yes. they're going to come over tonight. I'm a little nervous because, like, we haven't had people over other than like our families. Um, Are you nervous and- about COVID or just like social mm-hmm. interaction? Kind of like. Like, I was like, oh, our house is like a disaster. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, she's a good enough friend that I don't feel like I need to like put on airs or whatever. But like, you know, you don't want your house to seem like a total pigsty. So we got to do some straightening up this afternoon. I mean, I think a lot of it will be like just shoving a lot of the stuff like in the back of the house you know what I mean yeah oh I <laughs> like love a of, closet shove yeah kicking the can down the road mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. of oh yeah Um, it was funny because I was I was texting her and I was like please like I my house is just a mess and she was like are you kidding like don't even worry she's like you have a toddler like it's yes. whatever. and I was like but I was like honestly he's like the cleanest of all of us <laughs> excuse me he he he's a very neat little guy he's a very neat little guy he knows where everything goes he wants everything back in its place at all times he loves to clean and like matt and i are like oh like we just have piles everywhere (laughs) and i just feel bad because i'm like here is our like very organized child Who has to live with these chaotic parents? (laughs) (laughs) Like two nights ago, I turned out the light to put him to bed. And he was like, he was like, he he asked to bring his laundry basket back in the room because it was still by the washing machine and wanted it like back in its place. So I had to go out and get the laundry basket and bring it back. And he was like, okay.
1: Oh, my God. I love that he is his own little person.
2: He is very much his own little person. So I was like, as much as I would like to blame it on my toddler, the fact right. of the matter is his, his like area of the house is the cleanest.
1: <laughs> He's not the problem is what I hear you he saying.
2: Is, he is not the problem. And I just need to own that.
1: Well, listen, I think that's a good step for you. I would
2: I would actually be really curious to hear from other people whose children are neater than they are. Oh, I have one. Oh, you do?
1: Yeah. She loves collecting things. Eleanor, my oldest, but she like is very on top of kind of keeping her space how she wants it. And she does her, my kids have to do their own laundry and she does it like without me ever asking and then brings it into her room and puts it and like puts it away. And I never put my own laundry away. It takes me a week to take a laundry basket and put it away. And she's just like very on top of it in a way that frightens me. I did not know how to do my own laundry until I got to college because I had I was very spoiled and my mom did it. So, I mean, she's not like, nobody in our house is like, you know, that super stereotypical neat, but that's definitely very different than how her parents are.
2: Right. Well, Henry already does his own laundry. So we're Stop good there. <laughs> it's literally his favorite he's activity. Three, he's not even three. I know. Oh, I love him so much. What a, what he, a little like, guy. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I won't go into it too much. But yeah, he's like, he washed out his lunch, his like snack container the other day. Like he just is like, He's so funny. I mean, you never
1: know who these kids are going to be.
2: You never know who these kids are going to be. I also am like fully at peace with the idea that this could totally just be a phase, and in like two years he'll be like, "Oh fuck no," <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> right when he has like
2: a little bit more agency, yes, and exactly. self awareness, yeah. But Ugh. you know, I will say he has been like this since he was a like a baby, so. I I don't know. This might just be who he is. (laughs) Well, look, circling
1: back to you hosting a Seder, I had the privilege of attending a Seder at your home many years ago. It was when you had first just gotten Beau. And it was wonderful. You and Matt are wonderful hosts. You're very warm. You're very welcoming. You make everybody feel at ease. And I just think it's going to be a lovely experience for you. I'm very excited for you. And I know Passover is... And a Seder specifically is a really special um, holiday. So I'm, I'm excited for you. Thank you, Kate.
2: <sighs> well, Should we, uh, yes, I was just going to say before we take a break, let's introduce our guest. This was exciting for us. It was. It really was.
1: <laughs> our guest today is Taylor Lorenz. Look, if you aren't reading her reporting on the digital space i don't know what you're not what you're doing <laughs> i truly don't every time i see that she's published something new I, I read it immediately taylor is an la-based technology reporter who previously wrote for the new york times covering internet culture but recently joined the washington post she writes about social media online trends influencers fandoms memes gaming YouTube and more she's also written for the Atlantic BuzzFeed many other publications and look she's been awarded the coveted 40 under 40 and a few years ago received the night visiting fellow at uh, at Harvard no big deal
2: she's she's so interesting she you know she's become sort of this like lightning rod figure um, and is like Hated by some corners of the internet. And it's, it, it's just like sort of wild to see. Um, and it's because she writes about these topics that are like, she kind of gets under the hood of a lot of stuff having to do with like digital culture. And, um, I don't know. She's just, she was just really interesting to talk to. Yeah. And I've learned a lot about,
1: uh, the internet from reading her stuff. It's been really, it's always very illuminating to read something she's written.
2: Also, she has a truly chaotic approach to texting.
1: Oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk about it. I mean, you're going to hear all about it. It's wild. So without further ado, let's take a break and we'll be back with Taylor.
2: All right, we'll be right back.
1: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast.
1: dot com slash forever 35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince dot com slash forever 35
2: we are so excited to have you here today taylor welcome to forever 35 thank you so much for having me yeah this is such a treat um well as i'm sure you know we start all of our guest interviews by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have. So we'd love to hear from you about something that you are doing that you would consider self-care.
0: So I wrote this article several years ago called, um, I think it was called like, don't respond to your emails. (laughs) Uh Um, And it was just basically like, I set up a permanent out of office responder on my personal email address, just being like, I'm not going to check this very much. And please don't expect this as like a way to get in touch with me. And I've kind of taken that and adopted it across platform where like, I just don't check my messages. Like I check, I just don't check my texts. I think I have a couple thousand (laughs) unread texts and my feeling is like, they'll get me if it's that important. And I know I miss stuff, but it's my self-care because otherwise I was just having, it was too much before to check everything.
1: So it sounds like you've had to set, I mean, you cover the internet and digital culture. And so it sounds like you had to set boundaries in those spaces. And I'm assuming in order to keep doing the the work that you do.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I just spent Like if I just responded to everyone that messages me every day, like I would never, I would—that's the only thing that I would do. Um, and I want to be on these platforms and I want to be active on these platforms, but like I can't have really that many like one-on-one interactions on even like text. Um, and so my really close friends know to just call me, and they'll always just call me out of the blue, and I call them out of the blue, but. Um. yeah, I just really don't respond to a lot of people uh, in general. I mean, unless there's a story, like I'll always respond to a source or a tip, but uh, I just kind of, I don't know. There's just a lot of useless stuff, especially email. I feel like most stuff people email you about can resolve on its own.
2: So.
0: Oh, Ooh, gosh. Okay. Let's dig into this because <laughs> I chaotic. do, th- I do
1: think back to like 20 to 25 years ago when we didn't, we didn't even, you know, we rarely had email. And now there are so many ways to hound each other. You know, oftentimes I'll get a message and I won't respond. And then I'll forget if it was Facebook Messenger, a DM, an email, a text, nice. like the kind of brain overwhelm is really heavy. Um, and, I, I would love to know how this boundary is received because I feel like I, <laughs> people do not like that feeling of not being able to directly communicate.
0: People hate it. And people really hate that I don't respond to things. Like the number one thing that people get mad at me for, I've seen people subtweet me about is like, you know, we invited Taylor to do X, Y, Z and she didn't even respond. And I'm just like, I'm one person. Like I am. I don't have an assistant. Like I don't, I do everything myself and I cover this beat that's, so online in a way, like I'm already so responsive in a way that 99.9% of people aren't. And Mm -hmm. you know, I get invited to a lot of random stuff that I, some of it's actually probably really cool. I mean, I've definitely missed out on cool stuff, but I just, the time that it takes to respond. And then the thing is one email always begets more email. One text message always begets more text. It's like you say, that's not a fit for me, or I can't do that, or I'm busy right now. And then someone follows up. With you and I, just feel like if people don't expect a response, they won't go to you looking for one. I don't know. Like they just kind of. And since I've written about it, I feel like it's a little bit more. I mean, not with email. I'm just kind of like, look. At this point, I wrote about it publicly, so and I have that auto responder. I wish you could have auto responder for iMessage. I wish. I like. Mm. I hope Tim Cook is listening because I want to be able to set an away message on iMessage and just yeah. be like, FYI, like. I'm, I'm
2: Well, out you of used office. to be able to do that on AIM. Like, yes. Just, it's like, yes. I mean, away messages are from like the original days of the internet. Like, it seems odd that we can't have them anymore.
1: <laughs> but isn't it possible that, that we're like, cause for example, I would love one on Instagram, but these platforms mm. aren't making them because they want us to constantly be being bombarded by them.
0: Yeah. I think that's part of it for sure. I, I think like also just there's no concept of like online and offline time. Like yeah. I'll be online on Instagram, but not wanting to reply to certain people. And I almost don't want them to. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I wish that you could customize it a little more too. Like instead of like muting someone, like they would just get this away message. Um, Cause I mute people all the time when they text me, I mute almost everyone who texts me.
1: I'm I'm genuinely impressed at this boundary
0: <laughs> because I feel like you have to
1: have a a real like sense of self security because I would be constantly worried that someone's offended. But you, it sounds like you're able to let that go.
0: Yeah, or maybe I that's mean, not just, your thing. No, I I have a lot of like insecurities around that, and like I the big thing is with students. I mean, so many students reach out to me, and I always try and respond to them, but. With most stuff, especially like as a journalist, just most stuff like PR spam or people asking you for things, I'm just like, no, I'm I'm sorry, no. Like, there's just no way that I could do my job and be a responsive person. And so I just kind of am like, look, this is the way it is, and maybe that makes you think I'm an asshole. I'm not. Like, I mean, I really try, but I just, I can't. I can't. I wish I could. I don't have that many hours, and I wish that I. I I do think that like everyone deserves a response, but it's not a matter of deserving because I just don't have the time to do it. Like I just, right. So, and like I said, any friend of mine knows this, like a close friend of mine, like all of my friends are so aware of my weird habits and they just call me on the phone. I was just on the phone with my friend, Zach actually, right before I um, got on with you guys. And yeah, they'll just call me out of the blue. Cause they know that's the only way to reach me.
1: <laughs> it also kind of reminded, I mean, it's kind of connecting to a piece of yours that I think just might've come out today. That touches on this idea of like, it, like if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Kind of like, if you don't post it on the internet, does it count? Does it matter? Did we do it? Um, and I, I find this is becoming more and more of a strange, stressful part of life for me. I'm, I'm wondering if you have thoughts on this of kind of the pressure to constantly put everything online. And if it's not, does it have the same value?
0: Yeah. I mean, I also have insane boundaries around this. Um, I never post anything online about my personal life ever, ever. I haven't since 2016. Um, that's when I stopped. Um, so I'll never post. No one knows where I am really or what I'm doing at all. Um, sometimes, um, I'll post on close friends, maybe, maybe if I'm with another journalist. Um, but that's pretty much it. And, no one, you know, my actual friends that are like offline friends that I have, I, you know, people don't even know. I don't, I don't really want anyone to ever get a sense of my social circle or a sense of where I am or what my life is like. So I like don't post that, but it's, it's so true in the sense that like I really keep like my whole internet personality online, but, mm. um, it's so, yeah, it's so true because people, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that I do that, there's this pressure to post and a lot of times like you're at some Prada event or something and it's like, they want you to post. And I'm just like, no, because then it just opens the door and, and then people, then people have an opinion on what you're posting, um, or who you're with. And I just, I don't, I don't like that. I've had a couple things like where people have taken it too far and kind of like, I have a lot of, um, attention from like bad people and a stalker and stuff. So like, I just, I think it's just made me like really lock it down. Um, but it's sad. It's sad. Cause I don't have those memories like cataloged anywhere on the mm. internet. It's like, none of it happened, which makes me sad. I I'm nostalgic for like 2009 to 2015 when I was mm. like posting about everything in my life with the band which seems crazy now, but it, it, at least it was this like record, this like public record, whereas there's not, there's no record really. Now,
2: <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting to hear you say that because I feel like, you know, you, you talk, you've talked a lot about kind of journalists as brands and come under fire from, I guess, what <laughs> I would call like more traditional journalists for some of what you say. And I feel like they conflate a lot of this. Like it seems like in their minds, journalists being brands means that you are partly means that you're like bringing all of your personal life to your journalism. But like, you're in fact saying
0: that you do the opposite. Exactly. Yeah, I do the complete opposite. I I think people that say that have like literally never read my work like, and aren't familiar with the fact that people know me. I mean, my brand is breaking stories about my beat. I mean, I'm known as like, I'm known for being a journalist. I'm not known for how I dress or what I do or like <laughs> where I go or, you know, being friends with certain famous people. Like I'm known for my work and my scoops, um, which is why I think all of those arguments ultimately never stick. And people have been making those arguments about me since 2009. Um, and it always falls flat because ultimately I deliver good stories and that's why people follow me. And, and I actually think that helps me build my brands. Like I'm building a brand around my Work. I'm not building a brand around like, Oh, look, I'm with this XYZ famous person. Or, you know, I know a lot of really big influencers from covering the space for a long time. Like, I'm not, I don't want to like clout ride off of that. I'm sure Mm -hmm. I could be more famous than I am, but it's like, I want people to follow me because they're like, Oh, she's going to post content that I like, or like, she has this point of view about the internet that I like. Like, and it's that point of view and opinion or reporting that I want them to follow not like, yeah, my personal life, which is oh, of course so ironic because a lot of those people, you know, I saw shortly after everyone was like, you know, having that whole debate online of like, should journalists be brands? And then there's an entire section of People Magazine of White House correspondents, um, you know, releasing exclusive baby photos and, you know, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> talking hilarious. about their outfits on TV. It's just like, guys look in the mirror. I'm just doing stuff on the internet. And I, there, people are always so confused that I like use the internet. I don't, I, it's like this conundrum where I'm sure to you guys, it seems crazy too. I hope, I don't know. I feel like you guys are online and get it, but certain people don't. I don't know.
2: I mean, why, why do you think these conversations are so threatening um, to, especially to other journalists and like kind of along those lines, like why, why do you think this has become like, why do you think you have become such a polarizing figure? Like, it seems like a lot of people are sort of like projecting a lot of things onto you. Yes. Yes.
0: yes. I think I'm like a mirror. I was talking to somebody, uh, a friend of mine who has like, I don't know, she's like an idol of mine. And, um, I've always looked up to her and she's been on the beat since like longer than me. And she's just so good. And, um, she was just sort of talking to me and saying some of that, just like how people just project this notion of something. It's kind of everything they hate about the internet. Like they're going to project onto me because I'm covering the internet. And it's like, you know, I get it. Like we all hate those like self-involved asshole people online. Maybe that's not, you know, I'm not an influence. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the things I cover. People think I have this adjacency to things. Um, Even though I don't embody them, but I'm also outspoken and opinionated and like, you know, we'll say what I think and we'll call bullshit if I see it. And like, I think also that just attracts attention on the internet. Like people don't like when women are like that in general, but it's weird. I mean, people write these long things. I read, oh my God, the worst place ever to spend time. But I read this long Reddit thread yesterday that someone sent me that someone wrote about me. And it's just like, it's like fan fiction. Like, I'm just like, none of this is reality. Like they're just none. Mm. You guys don't even have like basic facts about my life, right? I mean, half my Wikipedia is just like, not correct. And I thought about correcting some of it, but then people really then you're giving factual information to people. And I don't want anybody yeah. to know about my life. So it's just kind of, I'm like, whatever, believe whatever you want. But you know, it's like that meme. It's like the girls who get it, get it. The girls who don't, don't. I'm like the <laughs> girls that read my work or the people that read my work, get it. They follow me. They get it. Uh, if you want to project whatever you project onto me, like that's on you. That, that says more about how you view the internet than, you know, anything I do. I don't know.
1: Oh. it's so strange with everybody having access to a platform. And I mean, there's like a TikTok. I'm sure you've seen it of a woman in a car and she's like, we did it. We've got no more hot takes. Oh, yeah, like, can you believe one. it? <laughs> Which I've watched it so many times and I love it, but it's, we are kind of in this like hot take opinion vacuum that it can become like one, it can fuel rage. I know it has for me, which is why I had to leave Twitter. But two, it can also like, it gives us platform for our rage. And oftentimes it's so misplaced it's and so
0: misplaced. Not to interrupt, but it's so no, please. It's so misplaced. And it, it really bothers me, you know, especially when you talk about like journalists and brands, like. I mean, the quote that set everyone off is me talking about IP rights and how journalists deserve more ownership of their IP and deserve more fair pay, like, you know, ad splits and things if they produce like a hit podcast, for instance, or whatever. And instead, it's like people just want to litigate because I said the word brand and want to have a whole referendum on influencer culture again. And it's like, guys, this is such a derailment of of like... Mm the issues that I feel like are actually really important to talk about when we think about digital media. So I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing to say. And I totally forgot what I was just about to say. That's not what I started to say. And I forgot what I was going to say, but whatever it's all. It's oh the internet. Oh, the hot take stuff too. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just like people, people also just say anything they want on the internet and people believe them. I mean, I've, I've seen people say just, especially TikTok. I mean, people just say like, the most outrageous stuff. And then that's taken as fact. Um, and I just think we're living in this wild world where it's really more about like narrative driving and like, are you telling a successful narrative and is your opinion like a lot of people with these opinion, you know, these like opinion type people or sub stackers or whatever, right? Like they're just like pushing hot take after hot take that really all feed into a specific sort of ideology or worldview. And I think that's harmful. I want people to get out of that cycle and like, you know, I don't know, find the truth and pay attention to people that are telling the truth and not just people that are giving the hot takes that they like over and over.
2: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, that's the, that's the (laughs) The problem with, yeah, I mean, right. Exactly. It's the conundrum
1: of the internet, right? Like that's the, yeah. Mm. Can we, can we, um, back up a little bit and just kind of have a a bridged version of your career path and how you really ended up focusing so deeply on digital culture
0: yeah um my career path is so long like weird because i always have like multiple jobs at once um but basically it started in 2009 because i got on tumblr do you, you, you guys were on tumblr right Oh I, yes, I, yes. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's I where we met you no way <laughs> yeah yeah Kate and I met on Tumblr yep, I yep. followed <laughs> both of you guys um, I actually remembered now that I did follow. I was like did I follow one or both I did I was addicted I mean that was in 2009 Tumblr was like the best internet of my life it's like you know that scene in 8th grade when she goes online did you guys see yes. that movie that's yes. what I felt when I like went on Tumblr the first time <laughs> It was just like what is this? I was at a shitty temp job. Um, I graduated into the recession like many millennials. And I uh, was working at this horrible temp job and this girl that I shared a cubicle because we had to literally share one cubicle. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm on Tumblr all day. And I was like, what's that? And I got on and I had had this really more restrictive sort of growing up and I, I have severe... Um, ADHD and learning disabilities, and I'd actually not been on the internet like ever. Like I had, I mean, I was on it, but like not in an intense way. I had Facebook in college, obviously, and stuff, but like I wasn't really like, you know, I didn't have a MySpace. I wasn't really, I just was really to myself, and I was thought that I was going to be an artist, and I was painting a lot and working at this shitty job and at a call center also. And um, yeah, then I got on Tumblr, and I was like, wait a minute, like this is amazing. Like, also, what is this? Is so cool. There's like all these people. And I started just making Tumblrs all the time and like getting really into Tumblr, like meeting tons of people mm-hmm. from Tumblr. And then Tumblr, you know, people at Tumblr started inviting me to these events. And that was the early days of, um, digital media. So a lot of other people that were young at that time, like millennial, you know, whack when millennials were young, um, were like also doing stuff like that. And so we all just kind of became friends and also a lot of people that were big YouTubers, like first generation YouTubers that were big on Tumblr. I met them through Tumblr. So we became friends because it was like, that was like before it was cool to be a YouTuber too. Um, And uh, yeah, so I went from there to working at an ad agency that people at Tumblr helped me sort of get my door in or get my foot in the door. I was running social media for brands. And then I started running social media for media brands. I met actually, um, I started blog, I was writing for a bunch of blogs about internet culture stuff. Basically just like, I hated the way that people wrote about Tumblr. Um, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell people how it really is. and like, write the real stories. Um, and I, I just have always looked up to Katie Natopoulos, um, mm-hmm. who was so good. And also like Jenna Wortham and Amanda Hess, like Jenna was a tech reporter, but writing about tech in a more cultural way. And Amanda was so good. And I just was like, saw these other people and I was like, Oh, they're cool. And then I never really considered being a reporter myself until I met a reporter in like, um, 2010 or 2011. I met this guy who was around my age that worked at the New York times. And I was like, wait, this guy works at the New York times. Like I should, I should, I could write for the New York times. Like if he can write for the New York times, I can write for the New York times. So I just obviously ended up writing for the New York times, but that's what gave me an idea to start kind of getting more into journalism. But for most of my career, I was a social media director and editor and did that until 2017 is when I made the switch to just writing full time. Aside from that, I was always writing on the side. Anyway, that's a a very abridged version, but um, that's kind of what got me into it.
1: (laughs) I like Um, that you went from the inside as a social media manager to the outside covering it.
0: Well, I think you're like, I'm still in it. Like I, and I had, yeah. a, I had a following. So I had a following on Tumblr and people, you know, my stuff would do well. And I was getting to write for these blogs because I was developing this following and people started to know me. And so, and like, I just, I wanted to write about the internet f- from the point of view of somebody that actually was like in it, because I thought that all these journalists were like so condescending and they were so condescending about people building f- for lack of a better word brands. Like, the way that people yeah. were talking about YouTubers. And I, I was just like, I know these people and they're actually really smart. And actually this is the future of media. Like, I mean, it goes back to like when I had that first conversation with that New York Times reporter, I was like, you know, he was a media reporter and I was like, okay, you're talking about media, but like, I know what it's really going to be like in media. Like um, we should be, somebody should cover this stuff. So I just wanted to write about it.
1: On a broader level, that scorn from older generations i think trickles down as well and i know i know that with tiktok for the first time in my life i'm feeling like i don't know how to use this and that feels scary (laughs) to me and i don't quite get it and i'm scared and confused and i think that's like this is the kind of generational progress that keeps happening and i would love your thoughts on this because I don't want to become like an outdated husk of an old person, <laughs> but I am in my forties. You know, it's hard to keep up. We are not like the number one generation running the show. That's clearly Gen Z right now. And so how do, like, how do older people participate and, un- and, and understand like trends and memes and new platforms that younger generations are like utilizing in a way that is changing culture.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess um, it comes down to open-mindedness, kind of, not to say that you are not very open-minded, but- um, no, I'm, I'm confused <laughs> about TikTok. <laughs> yeah, like, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, people always ask me this, like, how do you keep up or whatever, the older I get. I used to be like the young reporter and right now they're like, oh, you know, how do you keep up with the kids or whatever? And it's like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I just kind of, listen, like keep an open mind and absorb a lot kind of, and just ask a lot of questions and just, I'm like, Oh, what does that do? Or like, Oh, what's that kind of thing? Like, and just don't really judge. I mean, I guess it's just not judging or not thinking something stupid or not like immediately writing it off. I will download like anything with a login page. And I just, I mean, I fundamentally love technology and that's why I cover the beat that I do. And I consider myself a tech reporter. So, you know, I'll download any app and try and figure it out, but I can understand like, it's not part of your daily usage. Like it, it They're suddenly you you can't use something and it's very popular and it's disconcerting, but I feel like it's just like, I don't know, just felt like being open and asking people and kind of just finding, going down rabbit holes and finding good curators. I'll say in terms of keeping top on memes, like you don't have to know every meme, but I think it's just like finding, following the right people and finding kind of like people that get it that are, Curating things for you—that
1: I mean, makes I, sense. I learned a lot of stuff from you. I didn't understand Algo speak and how <laughs> how it manifested until I read your piece on it, which was fascinating.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older.
2: All right. We are back. Well, I mean, Taylor, I am sort of curious. Like you, you are one of the most prolific journalists working today.
0: I oh my think. God. I mean, okay. Hype me up more. You, this is I mean, great. you seriously are so <laughs> prolific.
2: Well, but I mean, it's between true. like, I'm having a bad day. The articles day, so you this write, so Nice. <laughs> like, the articles God. you write, your TikToks, like you're just, I mean, you produce so much content and I just break
1: a lot of stories.
2: You break a lot of news. I, like, how do you do that? (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking.
0: (laughs) So I have, you know, I have like 30, I think 37 Instagram accounts now, but um, I have like five main ones. I know, (laughs) I just always start accounts everywhere. Um, And one of my ones, my other one, that's like my main sort of repost page hit 10K. And I was like, oh, I love it. And this other journalist is like, well, how are you doing this on top of your job or something? And I'm just like, I don't even, it doesn't take away from my job. I just kind of, do everything. I I think, okay, well, anyway, sorry, I'm rambling. Um, but I think that my brain is set up in a way where it makes me able to do this job because I have severe, severe ADHD. Um, Mm. and it really hindered the whole first part of my life, um, in a, in a really major way. And I think I found this like thing that I can do. And it's like, I think like I have, like hyperfixation, sort of periods. And like, I can just mm. like do things in a way that like no normal healthy person would probably do. And I think that's like, maybe bad. Um, but, but ultimately fine. I'm not like, you know, staying up for four days on end or, about something, but I do think like, I, I get obsessed with things and I like really like, love talking to people and love learning things. And I have like just a never ending kind of like attention span thing. So I just, anyway, I don't know. That's not to say people that aren't like that can't do it. But I just noticed that like friends of mine that don't have those types of tendencies, like always find it hard to understand. And the friends of mine that do have tendencies like that, they kind of like get it Um, in a way. I don't know how to explain it. Can There's I a TikTok that more? sums this up. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh no i want I wanted I wanted to just go back to what you
1: said about it being your your ADHD and how it impacted your half. You know, the first half of your life in a really negative way. I was diagnosed with ADHD like as an adult oh. very recently, and that's been I've been doing a lot of learning about myself, and I would love to. And we have a lot of listeners who also. Uh, deal with ADHD. And I would just love to hear if you're open to sharing a little bit more about your experience and how you have kind of, I mean, I I love hearing you speak positively about it, because so often, especially growing up, it was positioned as a negative thing.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, it was really hard because it was the 90s when I was growing up. Like Mm. I was a 90s, like a kid in the 90s when there was no understanding of this. And I was horrible in school. I mean, I think I ended up graduating with like a 1.7 GPA. Maybe I went to multiple schools, multiple colleges. Um, I ended up graduating basically by doing this study abroad program, uh, in order to, to finish school in high school. Um, cause it was so hard. So I just, I mean, ADHD manifests really differently in, in other people's, you, you know, everyone has different symptoms. Um, but for me, I just have like, really bad problems, um, concentrating and communicating with people, kind of relating to people. Um, and I was very, very, very like shy. And then I would over talk and I, I had like social problems, I guess you can say. So it was just kind of a weird person in school. So I was like socially ostracized when I was younger. And then the school system, I went to public school. I always went to public school growing up in the suburb that like really just didn't know what to how to teach to the people with those issues. And so I would just, I was really into art and music and things like that. Um, but ultimately, like I said, I, when I got on the internet and I got into Tumblr and when I discovered these like sort of endless online worlds, I just, I think it just kind of like fed that like endless curiosity that I have and constant need for like new, like things to learn about. Um, And so I just, I don't know. It just, it kind of helped me. And also I'm just older and I can like recognize things now. And, but it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to like, it's still hard to communicate. And I, I'm not like, I'm out there online in a way that I'm not in person for sure. Um So I don't even know if that answered your question, but I think it's hard. And I think like, there's so much more awareness of it now. I was on this NPR segment like a month ago and they were like, everyone is self-diagnosing themselves with ADHD on TikTok. And I was like, honestly, good that they're, I mean, who knows if they have it or not, but like, there's just, it's good to have more like awareness of these things and awareness of like neurodivergence in general, um, because there's things that would have been a lot better for me growing up if there was knowledge of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the
1: other day, I realized that I am neurodivergent. Like, that's a word I can and should be using. And I was just like, oh, wow. And so, I mean, so much of the conversation around mental health is happening on TikTok. And I see, like, plenty of adults my age are sending each other videos about ADHD and and other, you know, m- mental health issues that they might have, and it's being discussed in a way that didn't exist for us when we were kids. I mean, everything like that could be said about a million things. Yeah, right now online, and it's
0: hard because the internet aggravates it. I mean, I'm like extremely impulsive, and like <laughs> that's not always the best tendency to have when you're like an internet user, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it's like a bad, you know, like everything with the internet, it's a good, it's a good and a bad. I think it's overwhelmingly good eventually, but I think these platforms are bad because they want to exploit all of these issues and exacerbate them. But, um, yeah, just being able to connect with other people has been so good. Like I said, my friend, my, my one friend, Barry, who, um, works in tech, like we're, we have very similar personalities and it's just like so nice to even know someone that's like me. And instead of sort of trying to fit in with, people that never really got it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I also, I want to ask also about um, you, you tweet a lot about long COVID. Yes. Um, I care about this. A and lot. I'm wondering, yeah. What is your connection to it? And kind of, where do you, where do you think things stand with it? right now? Yeah.
0: I have several close friends and a family member um, that are dealing with this. Um, I'm, I also have a bunch of like chronic health issues. Um, So I sort of like care a lot about that stuff in general. And I always have. Um, And also just care about seeing, I mean, even if I didn't have friends directly, I think watching your friends and seeing what they're going through is so hard. Um, But then also just, I mean, even reading stories online, I'm like, Oh my God. Um, but you know, I, I think that there's a lot of discussions that are happening around COVID that are just completely excluding, um, people with chronic illness and disability. And, um, I care a lot about like disability justice or whatever, you know, you want to call it and just healthcare. Um, because I've had a lot of bad experiences. I've also talked a lot about my medical debt because I've had some bad experiences with the healthcare system and, um, I, I just think like I have a platform and a level of credibility where I can talk about things I care about. I kind of changed in the pandemic because I used to not talk about, I used to not like use my platform for talking about issues because I thought it would make it hard to get hired. And now I'm like, I'm pretty good at my job and I've, everyone knows me now. So I can tell you about these things that I care about. And long COVID, I just think like, you know, I have several friends that, um, have gotten really sick and, and are, remain very sick and are basically bed bound. And, um, you know, mm. it's just a significant amount of people that get COVID never recover from it. They never recover. They have a lifetime of chronic illness and, and they die, um, sooner than they would. Right. Eventually. Um, that's what chronic illness usually does. And so, um, or you have a greatly diminished life. And I also know people that have ME CFS, Um, which is also like chronic fatigue is what some people call it, but it's basically, it's very similar to long COVID and, you know, that's another condition that has been so maligned. I'm from Connecticut as well. And, um, also saw friends of mine personally that were affected by long Lyme's disease in in this way that is very under-acknowledged. So, um, I'm you know, I just, I want the medical establishment to really invest in treatments and cures because what's really scary as someone that covers online misinformation and stuff is just the amount of, um, stuff that these kind of like, you know, people get sick with something like long COVID. They're completely ignored by the medical establishment. The media intentionally minimizes it. And then they, the only people that really listen to them are a lot of times bad actors, you know, people that are intent on selling, mm-hmm. um, miracle cures or peddling misinformation and and basically exploiting disabled and chronically ill people. So, I just really try to talk about it and talk about it as an issue and encourage journalists to actually like think about the fact that not everyone is healthy and there's disabled people out there and there's high risk people out there and we're all probably going to be those people at some point in life. No one remains healthy their entire life, I don't think. Um we all have something, right? And or we have a family member or somebody that we live with. So, I just really want people to remember that. It's like people, it's fine if you yourself feel safe, but just, I mean, I tweeted this recently, like imagine if somebody told you, you only have a 15% chance of surviving COVID. You know, like one of my friends was telling me this recently, which is basically what she has. Um, Which, how would you be able to operate in the world? Like, but and you did quote unquote everything right. I hate when people say, oh, they did everything right. Vaccinated people, I mean, obviously, of course, overwhelmingly vaccination protects you. I'm very pro-vax. But say you have these underlying conditions or say you are elderly, it's not completely protective. And I just think we need to look out for everyone. Um, I care a lot about that stuff. Yeah, so I that's mean, why I post about it yeah. a lot. I care. I'm like... No, I mean, you've
2: definitely like raised my awareness of it. So thank it should you be a consideration.
0: It should be a consideration. And we should think about the way that we structurally address these issues. I think, you know, people think, oh, you're shaming people or something. I'm like, no, I just want... I want everyone to pressure our leaders and our media to do better and Mm. consider that not everyone is perfectly able-bodied or healthy at every point in their life. Right. Um, So whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just really go on on and on about that. I always try and push the limit. I'm like, well, how much can I say before I get in trouble? But Well, but you also like
1: this kind of leads into a question I have because you, in doing so, I think you highlight one of the positive aspects of the internet. Like, as Dory just mentioned, she learned a, she's learned a lot about, about this topic from you specifically. Like, there, there are so many amazing things that come through the digital space, but also it's like a full, there's like a full on evil empire also happening. So, like, do you, do you think the internet can be and is, is still a place for good. I mean, it felt so earnest when I first got on it like <laughs> 1993. Um, and I I would also love to know, like, what do you see kind of evolving and happening in the space um,
0: that people should be aware of? Yeah, I, we're in this like, I mean, we're in this transition period right now. So we're in this time where like, you're saying there's, it's just, it's like the worst. And I've experienced a lot of it. I mean, I've dealt with like, Absolutely wild stuff the past couple years in terms of like, um, stalking and, and abuse and stuff that happens online. And I've definitely got my taste of the dark side. I feel like I was a little bit, I always knew there was that stuff and I had friends that were dealt with Gamergate, but I kind of, I, I wasn't, you you don't ever really learn anything until you unfortunately experience it. And now that I've experienced it, I'm like, whoa, yeah, the bad is really bad, but the good is really good. So I think we're, it's this tension. And I think Silicon Valley and these big tech companies want a very dystopian, dark version of the future where everyone is sort of exploited and things are bad. I, I don't, I hope that that's not the vision, but I hope that doesn't mean that people think we need to abandon technology or lean less into living online because i think overwhelmingly that can be there, there's good in that um it's just about sort of like building the internet that we want and and building systems that we want um i already forgot what you just asked me oh my god is it going to be good well, what are you
1: saying <laughs> yeah well here's a here's a here's a kind of a different question do i need to understand and participate in nfts
0: <laughs> no i mean maybe okay, not good. yet though it's fine okay. you you can i mean i do but like um, I think that is, we're at, it's, we're in a little bit of a bubble and there's going to be bigger and bigger bubbles, but I don't think it's, it's being sold as this future of the internet when it's not, the future of the internet is going to look more decentralized. That's undeniable, but it's not going to be, you know, what it is right now. So don't worry.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. That makes me feel better.
2: Taylor, um, can you talk a little bit about
0: the book that you have coming out next, yeah, next year? next year. I know. Book timelines are really long. Also, I'm a procrastinator, yes, very long. Um, <laughs> so I'm late. I like. I mean, I had so much crazy stuff happen to me last year, and I got so derailed. Um, but yeah, I'm writing a book that's sort of about the rise of the online creator industry. So it's kind of a little bit of like. It's it's sort of it's kind of the worst topic because I picked it so broad. I'm like I should have just written a history of Vine, but or something like I should have just kept it (laughs) narrow. But it's kind of just about (laughs) how this industry. I mean, I write about the online creator influencer industry, whatever you want to call it. It's about how that emerged from bloggers, like early mommy blogging, Mm -hmm. and people having voices and and all of that, and pioneering these revenue models to obviously YouTubers, to streamers, to TikTokers, and everything that it is today too, where online influence is just kind of baked into everything um i mean nfts are a good example of that so uh yeah it's with simon and schuster it's coming out next year i think like next summer or next spring when i, I have to finish the, i'm like 70 percent done with a draft but i'm procrastinating the last 30 percent. i've also just gone on so many i wrote like fifteen thousand words on like grumpy cat and like yeah. <laughs> just, i need to like <laughs> it's hard like i said i have like a I, it's, I get fixated on things and it's hard for me to like go half on anything. So I've, it's like somehow I've written like 150,000 words, but like also not done with my book and it needs to be like a quarter of that. So we'll see how it turns out. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes. I think Kate and I can both. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: It's a nightmare.
1: (laughs) Um, I have a incredibly important uh, question to ask you, which is, can you talk to us about your eyeliner, because in every TikTok of yours I watch, your eyeliner looks amazing. And I'm drawn to it instantly, which means you are you know what you're doing. You do a really like an almost, from what I can tell, almost a cat eye, but like not
0: quite. Not quite because I have hooded eyes. So the the cat eye, I I still have not mastered a good cat eye.
1: True cat eye. Well, I'm obsessed with (laughs) what you're doing with your eyeliner. I would love to know how you learned. Was it a journey? And do you have a favorite product that you Yes.
0: Like? Well, I learned, as as we all do on YouTube, um, I watched a bunch of tutorials about how to do, like, cat eyes for, like, hooded eyes. I, I can never do, like, really good true cat eyes. Like, my friend Sandra does them amazing, and I'm just like, how do you do it? But um, I do – I use the Lori, Mer, Lori, Laura Mercier, like, tight line stuff, and I mm-hmm. um, mix a little Latisse in it. I, like, wet my Ooh. brush with Latisse. And then I, to keep my eyelashes long and then I, um, apply it and I like, I like do it really tight to the edge of my eye, like almost as like a half circle kind of on the outside. And then I do always do both sides. You know, I do it underneath too. And then I, uh, curl my eyelashes and go, but it's like my own technique for my own eye shape because my eye shape's like kind of, I don't know. I can't do the full cat eye, but it. thank you for saying that it works. Um, oh it doesn't it doesn't just work it's like
1: aspirational it's like on the level of taylor (laughs) swift's eyeliner so wow
0: oh my god you gotta own own it i'm not great with makeup um really i'm not i that's like one of those things where i need to get better i have a a zillion teenage cousins and like younger cousins and they're all like so good because they grew up watching beauty youtube tutorials and i feel like i didn't Discover that world into my twenties, so I'm like, oh, I have all this like bad right. muscle memory from like smearing mm-hmm. Jane Eyeliner, you know, eyeshadow onto my eyes for like ten years. So, um, yeah, I still have to a
1: little way to go. We we talk about that a lot. It's it's hard. We didn't really quite grow up with like all we had were magazines. Yes. Like we didn't have access to all these people educating us for free about how to do makeup. Like I literally went to John Robert Powers Modeling School. Wow. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Dory. Did you know that that I went to
0: modeling school? I feel like we did talk about this at one <laughs> point. <laughs> That's where I learned how to put on makeup. I'm, I so am modeled for the limited too. uh, Once, <laughs> oh, iconic! Whoa,
1: a nineties girl I was a dream. Real kid. Yeah, you know, they
0: had the real kids. They had like they wanted like real kids. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, makeup is is an ongoing thing. I'm always I always notice it on other people, and I'm like, how did you do that? Uh, I I mean, my skincare routine is sort of like notoriously terrible, and I need to like get better at at that. I feel like fixing some base issues would fix my skin issues. I'm always trying to like be like, how do people put concealer on in a way that doesn't look terrible? I cannot do it. I don't have the answer yet.
2: Taylor, this was a delight. Um, This was so fun. Where? Yeah. This was really fun. Where can our listeners, if our listeners want to kind of follow along with you. Where
0: to follow me. What
2: where do where What's to like follow five you? of your
0: insta
1: out of your yeah, thirty-seven Instagrams well, should I, uh, we follow?
0: I follow two. My I think. main and my three Yeah. Those yes. are like my main ones. Um and then I have grade A TikToks, which is my TikTok repost page, and then I have like a bird meme account and, and I have like a spam, like a pinsta. But my main I mean I would say like for news, if you care about long COVID, if you want to like follow me like for like commentary and opinions and Twitter drama, Twitter for sure. Instagram is more, I just post like funny memes and I do post news. I post my articles. I have a sub stack you can subscribe to if you want like alerts for when my articles go up. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i kind of like everywhere. It just depends. But Instagram and Twitter are my main ones. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, this was.
2: This is really really fun to talk to you. So thank, thank you. Yeah. For oh, I'm on
0: TikTok too. On. I forgot to say. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love your it's TikTok. Like half a million yeah. followers. Well, I've been on since musically. I was like musically posting during the 2016 election actually. Mm. <laughs> wow. I've been on it since the beginning. I mean, I'm on it. yeah. I have a lot of legacy followers, but um follow me there. You're an early you are an early adopter. I love technology. Yeah, I love it. I wish doctor. I could live inside a computer sometimes. Like I want to <laughs> one time I was on a job interview, oh and the editor in chief of this really big newspaper that I don't work for, uh, was like, um, would you put a computer in your brain? And I was like, he's like, I ask every tech reporter this. And I said, of course. And he was like, oh, you're the only one that said yes. <laughs> I was like, no, I would I wouldn't oh let like God. Elon Musk so put a funny. computer in my brain, but oh, think how easy it would be but if you didn't have to, if you just had Wikipedia in your brain pretty nice All right, anyway <laughs> i think we're gonna end the interview now I know um, I got on that tangent, but no th- thank you guys so much for having me this was so fun and i had a great time thank
2: you this was really fun
1: i mean wow just wow wow
2: i know do you feel like you learned stuff from talking to her
1: i just thought her her boundary setting and kind of like do not give a fuck attitude about it mm-hmm was like Mm -hmm. both like made me anxious, but also was inspiring. You know what I mean? Like she clearly has a sense of what she needs to do in order to be able to enjoy her private life and also keep doing the work she's doing. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, wow, that was very impressive to me. Yeah. I don't know. Did you learn anything?
2: I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. It just, it was, I did learn a lot from her. I, uh, it was just really really interesting to hear from her. I mean I've known her for a long time mm. but her career has just sort of gone like stratospheric in a yeah. way that uh, is like pretty wild so it was just interesting to kind of hear her perspective on all that stuff um anyway Kate <sighs> yes
1: i've really been Failing with the intentions and like, look, I know failure is part of the process. I haven't done my intention from last week and I've been instead, I've been living in, like I said previously, just chaos. I'm supposed to organize all my pills, which are just floating around on the dining room table. I haven't, I just moved them to a new area, but I haven't organized them. I really okay. want to do this. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. Look, I, it's all I talk about in therapy. ADH brain. I get it now. That's why I haven't done it. So. Stand by. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Dory. My intention what this week—I week? need to foam roll and stretch. This is the thing I talk a lot about with uh, the trainer that I work with. Really making sure I stretch and foam roll every day, whether I'm doing any sort of fitnessy thing or not. That's a really great way to take care of our bodies, especially you know my creaky knees. So there, there it is: foam roll and stretch.
2: Okay.
1: All right. all right. Lay it on me, Dory. Take me down your road. So Kate, today.
2: I my intention last week was to do my nightly to do list. Mm. And I've been doing it. Oh, I have been brain you. dumping you. all over my <laughs> You've been taking a lot I of brain know, dumps. It disgusting. <laughs> um my undated planner pad. Balance pad. And yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's been working for me. Now this week, I have a sort of unusual intention. I have realized that I have a circadian rhythm for work. Oh. Like, and I want to sort of honor
1: that. Like the time when you work best and the time when you need to take a break. Okay.
2: Yeah. Like I think, you know, I, I I really need to, like harness the power of before lunch. Oh
1: yeah. That's a key time. I think
2: before lunch is like really when I'm at my best. It's
1: when the magic happens for me too, I will say.
2: (sighs) Yeah. So I just want to kind of like lean into that. I've also been, I've been doing some work at night lately Uh and I, I was not historically a night working person. But I don't know. I've just kind of been going with it. I don't know, Kate. It's a whole new world over here. I support it. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah. So that's that's what's going on over here.
1: All right. Well, I can't wait to hear if you succeed next week. I mean, but what is success you. anyway? You know what
2: I'm saying. That's true. Well, we should we should tell everyone that Forever Thirty Five is hosted and produced by me, Dorisha Freer, and you, mm-hmm, Kate Spencer, mm-hmm. and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Greed is our project manager. Our network partners, Acast. Talk to you all again soon. Bye bye.